1: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Hey, yo. For over 30 years, and still and still, your inside look into boxing. And mixed martial arts. You know what? As long as she fights fighting 135 pounds, I don't care if she's injecting a horse demon into her eyeballs. Heard live around the world and brought to you by the World Boxing Organization. And now, and now, live from the Ring Talk Studios in San Francisco, here's the host of the longest running fight show in history, Pedro Fernandez. Y'all, <laughs>
2: Ladies and gentlemen, what's happening? Welcome to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Of course, coming to you from the multi-million dollar sports byline studios in the city by the bay, San Francisco, California. The man was correct. My name is Pedro Fernandez, the often imitated but never duplicated, undisputed heavyweight champion of the radio airways, folks. Haven't defended that title off for better than 33 years. Straight up today. In two hours of programming, we're going to talk boxing for the most part now and number one. Then we'll switch gears and talk mixed martial arts, of course, to the UFC rocking and rolling as we approach that December 30th date. Of course, Holly Holm and Chris Cyborg Santos, MMA's 145 pound world women's title. Good Lord. I don't know. If I was Holly Holm, she's a confident girl. She can fight. She's an accomplished athlete. There's no doubt about it. But I just can't see her beating. Chris Cyborg Santos. Santos is like half man. They don't call her Cyborg for anything. Anyway, bottom line is our number one. We're talking boxing. Of course, Lomachenko cleaning up on Guillermo Rigondeaux to a seven days ago. And not much of a surprise there when you consider the size. That's right. Size matters in pornography and in combat sports. That being said, open phone lines all around the planet. 1-800-878-PLAY. That's 1-800-878-7529. Of course, the guilt-free, no commitment, text line, 415-275-1613. That's 415-275-1613. Stay with me. My name is Pedro Fernandez. This is Ring Talk, live on Sports Line and SB Nation Radio. Dr. Fernandez, outside call on
3: line
4: 9. Dr. Fernandez, outside call on line 9. Yeah, that's him, man.
0: Sports fans for the best sports gifts there's only one place to go SteinerSports.com. With hundreds of daily doorbusters, some up to 90% off, Steiner Sports has you covered for all your sports gift needs. Steiner Sports is the leader in authentic hand-signed collectibles and official collectibles company of the biggest names in sports like Steph Curry, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Jeter, Odell Beckham Jr., Gary Sanchez, and more. Go now to SteinerSports.com to get that unforgettable gift at a Black Friday price. This holiday season, score big at SteinerSports.com.
2: Are you still searching for that perfect gift? Dell has an amazing selection with something for everyone on your list. Check out Dell.com to find the best brands of electronics, like gorgeous LG TVs, plus the hottest laptops with Intel Core processors and the latest gaming PCs. There's still time to get something great under the tree. And did we mention there's free shipping on everything? Call 800 by Dell. That's 800 by Dell. I'm just
1: ready to get it on and crush this guy's skull. Now, more Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
2: Check it 12 minutes past the hour. You're tuned to Ring Talk live on Sports Bible. And of course, it comes to you from the city by the bay, baby. San Francisco, California. I'm like a stone's throw away from Fisherman's Wharf. of course, The Golden Gate Bridge, long thought to be the seventh wonder of the world. Well, I get to see that every morning. I have a beautiful, beautiful uh, scenery to look at when I wake up in the morning. Very lucky, geographically gifted at birth, being born here in the city by the bay, San Francisco horse. I can't afford to live here, but that's a different story for another day. Open phone lines We're talking boxing and MMA all around the planet. 1-800-878-PLAY. That's 1-800-878-7529. Of course, the guilt-free text line. No commitment, baby. 415. 275-1613. That's 415-275-1613. Last night, TV, talk about Saturday. And of course, WBO middleweight title holder, the Gypsy. That's right. He's a gypsy. Billy Joe Sanders. Now 26 and zip. 12 wax. Dominated former IBF title holder, David Lemieux, Lemieux of Canada, I believe. 38 and 4, 33 KOs. Uh, It was took place in Quebec. What can I say? The scores is 120-108, meaning shut out. 117-111 means way, 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 one-sided fight. And 118-110 sort of means 10 rounds to two as far as scores are concerned. Bottom line is it was a one-sided fight for the Gypsy Saunders, considered the, the not-so-prime-time guy at 160 pounds, even though he is the WBO title holder. Of course, the WBO is our sponsor. But Saunders trying to knock down that door to get in the – Get into that picture with Canelo Alvarez, of course, and Gennady Golovkin. Those guys are set to possibly rematch. It looks like May of uh, 2018. Of course, the mega match this year of 2017 wasn't all that mega of a match. I mean, some people thought Golovkin won by a couple of rounds. Other people thought that maybe it was a draw. Then there was some that felt Canelo won. Then there was Adelaide Bird, the score that the judge had the, round, the fights, 10 rounds of two, or 118 to 110. Of which he has apologized for a thousand times, to me personally. And I told her, Adelaide, you don't have to apologize to me. Still, the right outcome took place. In other words, her score was way, way off. There's no doubt about it. But the right thing happened. In other words, you know, I mean, no guy really dominated the fight. So I draw, eh, it's cool. Let him do it again. Nobody got hurt. The right guy won, sort of. Okay. That's what Chuck Maker. Formerly with the Nevada State Athletic Commission, he died, I believe, in 1993, a world-class judge uh, before that, but he was the head of the Nevada Commission. He told me, Pedro, I know we'll have a bad score once in a while, but that's why we have three judges. As long as the right guy wins or, 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 or the right thing happens, don't be too concerned about that one score because everybody has a bad night. And being a certified judge with the Association of Boxing Commissions here in the United States of America... Uh, I, yeah, I I can agree that everybody does have a a bad night, but you know, what can I say when you're put into that, into that, that, that spotlight, that mega light, when it's on you for the mega, mega, mega fights, you've got to really worry about concentration and concentrating the entire three minutes. And Sometimes the concentration gets away from you and that's really tough. I mean, it is really tough. I know most of you fight fans are out there. You watch a fight, you watch three rounds. I know who won that fight. The guy that scored the best punch. Well, usually that's the way it goes. But if you break down a fight and you score a fight and you study a fight, you've got to encompass all of that. To score it, you've got to study it. And to study it, you've got to concentrate. That means for three unabated minutes, un, un, you can't be interrupted. For three minutes, your mind's got to be on the fight, watching the fight, what's happening in the ring, what's going on between the two guys, who's imposing the will, who's landing the cleaner punches, who's showing a little bit of defense, who's got the ring generalship going on add them all together, and those are the four criteria for scoring a professional boxing match. But it really boils down to who's landing the clean punches, the clean and effective punches. That's usually the way boxing matches are scored, okay? But at the end of the day, those other criteria do have to come into play, and uh, sometimes I think defense is um, often ignored. Speaking of defense, Guillermo Rigondeaux's defense, of course, against uh, Mr. Lomachenko last week. Vysol Lomachenko was a bit, how can I put this, it was disappointing in, in, in that Guillermo Rigondeaux didn't want to go down in a, in, a, in a blaze of fire. And I can understand that 37 years old, not wanting to take a beating. Okay, I mean, he realized the fight wasn't competitive. He said he broke his hand, his left hand. The problem with that was he never landed the left hand during the fight. So unless he was, like, a pleasing himself in the locker room beforehand or something like that, there's no chance he broke that during the fight. There's no way, no how. Anyway, Rigondeaux losing now, 17-1. and one. Mr. Lemonchenko now ten and one. Ten and one he considered in my in many people's minds maybe the best fighter pound for pound all the boxing. I think that's a bit of a stretch. But I do say that he toyed at down. But guess what? I could toy with guys who were smaller than me too. JT Walker was a hell of a featherweight here. At featherweight, he could like he did he went with Jose Lurice, Luis Ramirez, of course, was the former world lightweight champion. But J. T. Walker could rumble at featherweight. But when he and I fought in the gym and we went to war, I would just kick his ass because I was 15 pounds bigger than him. 10 pounds bigger than I just, boom, boom, boom. My punches carried more effect. Okay, and that's just the way it was. That's the way it was with Lomachenko. Lomachenko was like, at least two weight classes. If the guy is the 122-pound world champion and he's fighting the guy that's a 130-pound world champion, and you have to realize that the 130-pound champion comes in at 130, probably walks into the ring about 140, he's a junior welterweight, if not a welterweight per se, and Mr. Rigendahl is a still 122-pounder that put on five pounds to make the weight at 120. He weighed in like 128. At the end of the day, it was not a competitive match, but then again, again, it's all about size. Sometimes guys doesn't matter. It doesn't matter with guys like Roberto Duran. It doesn't matter with guys sometimes like Ray Leonard. But you know, for the most part, size rules. I mean, look at Marvin Hagler. As great a, he- a middleweight as Marvin Hagler was, he never, ever once, never, ever once dreamed, thought about moving up in weight. Didn't even, never even entered his mind. He was making 160 pounds, even though it was killing him at the end. Didn't matter. Didn't matter, Marvin. He knew moving up 15 pounds, he get lit up like the White House Christmas tree depending on who it was back then, Matthew Saad Mohammed, uh, Eddie Gregory, and, of course, the former Eddie Gregory now, Eddie Mustafa Mohammed. I think those guys would have him for lunch at 175 pounds. That is light heavyweight. Speaking of light heavyweight, I'm hoping to get the retired light heavyweight title holder, Andre Ward, on the line in the next few weeks and see. Maybe do a year-end show with him and talk about how, you know, he rode off into the sunset undefeated now, I believe, 24, 27, you know, something like that, you know, but. Give him his props, 2004 Olympic gold medalist, the American dream personified if ever there was one, folks. I mean, he married his 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 <coughs> he married his childhood sweetheart. Okay, they have a bunch of kids together. They've got a great family. I mean, he's never been in any trouble. As I said before, he lives up to that reputation, the SOG thing, the son of God, he truly is a good example uh, for a lot of kids. I'm telling you. If you want somebody to live up to, Andre Ward, 2004 Olympic gold medalist. The former world champion in 168, 175, he is the epitome of the American dream. Andre Ward, we salute you here on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Next up, John Signorella on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. But it's something else to watch two men at the highest level battle,
4: and one may be favored over the other, but you never know what's going to happen. And and that's what that's why boxing is the way it is.
0: 800-223-0992. 800-223-0992. That's 800
3: If you are age 85 or younger
1: The sun can make your outdoor deck and patio space so hot and uncomfortable you can't use it. But now there's the Sunsetter Retractable Awning. A Sunsetter Retractable Awning opens and closes in just 60 seconds. And it keeps your patio about 20 degrees cooler. It provides instant shade and protection from the sun's harmful rays. You can get your Sunsetter for as little as five ninety nine dollars when you call now to get your special $200 discount certificate and free awning idea kit. You're going to love your Sunsetter Retractable Awning. Sunsetter Awnings are assembled in America and guaranteed to last. So call 800 692 Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Let's get out of this hot sun into a nice, cool bar.
6: In a few minutes, honey.
2: Coming back with a little bit of Motown there, of course, the Temptations, Dennis Edwards time. He was the lead singer at this point in time. Still going. Still rocking and rolling. Remember a couple of years ago? Guys more than a couple now, then he and I and Emmanuel were together in Detroit. Manual stored in Detroit, Michigan, talking about the old days, man. Rocking and rolling. Still rocking and rolling. Dennis Edwards, former lead singer of The uh, Temptations. Open phone lines around the planet, 1-800-878-PLAY. That's 1-800-878-7529. Of course, we're expecting John Signorello, of course, noted boxing writer, semi-historian. Of course, he's a trainer, and he does all kinds of crazy stuff, but he is a great musician as well. And of course, he is a uh, running a boxing school down there, a clinic of course, in Las Vegas. so We'll get him online in a second. Johnny Sig, how's life treating you, man? Excuse me? How's life treating you?
4: Hey, what's up? I got you now. I lost you there for a minute. Life's treating me great, Pedro. How are you, man?
2: I'm pretty good. So tell me, you working with kids?
4: Yeah, man, I'm teaching out in the valley out here, you know, adults, uh, you know, teaching music, uh, drums, guitar, a little piano, a little bass, and uh, also doing some session work uh, with some musicians out of Los Angeles, doing some drums. Uh, You know, life's been pretty good on the West Coast, my man. Thank you for asking.
2: That's good. And your girlfriend and you guys are acting. man, you guys have been here, what, two and a half or three years now?
4: Well, she's actually lived here her whole life. I came out to visit, long story short. You know, we hit it off real good, if you know what I mean. And then next thing you know, uh, we fell in love, and I'm out here three years now, man. I'm, I'm really liking the change. It's a different pace of life. If you have a good mentality, a good head on your shoulders, Vegas could be very intriguing in a lot of ways for a lot of different things. But if you know how to control your demons a little bit, you know when to play and uh, when to uh, you know go to work and do the right thing, then Vegas is a great place to live. Very affordable.
2: The $20 rule, baby. When I went to work for the Imperial Palace Hotel, this <laughs> old German man told me, he said, Kid Fernandez, do you effing gamble? And I didn't know what to say. The guy's smoking a cigarette behind his desk. I'm just like, nineteen ninety. Uh, uh, no, sir, I don't. He goes, good, because if you did, I'd just have you sign your damn check over to me now. <laughs> I, said, I said, okay, sir. So he goes, nobody wins in this joint. You understand? Except me. I said, okay. Okay, uh, his name yeah. was Ralph. And then he went on. He, he said, this is point. the rule. You play 20 bucks. You lose the 20 bucks. You walk away. You lost 20 bucks. He goes, but you win. You keep going, son. But the bottom line is, walk away as soon as you can from the blackjack table. The longer you sit, the more chance I have of taking your money. Hey, anyway,
4: absolutely. I had to learn those rules, brother. I had to learn those rules. And hopefully you catch a couple drinks on the way out. But,
2: yeah. um, yeah, you know what's funny? I remember when I got hot one time. We we're talking John Signorella talking gambling in Vegas before we get to boxing. But I was at the <laughs> the slots of fun. It was a little tiny. Yeah. It was a little tiny little card place, a little casino right next to the Westward Hill when I was training for a fight in 1984, and I won nine thousand bucks playing blackjack. Okay, so I was on a roll. Right. I was just kicking ass. I was just killing them. I was just destroying them. So there's some guys that sat down next to me, and he hit on a nineteen. Okay and obviously he was sit there to throw the deck off and throw, throw me off and right. that kind of good stuff. So I realized what time it was, and I left. I didn't tip anybody, but I walked away with about 8200 bucks a night. And I, and I attribute that to the fact that I was training for a fight. I hadn't smoked a joint, drank a beer, hadn't done anything in six Attaboy. weeks. I was as clean as I could. I was reading those cards like crazy, Johnny. Well, that's no. how you take down the house. That's how they get you. If they get you nice and buzzed. Then you lower your
4: inhibitions. Next thing you know, you're hitting the buttons. You're getting more chips. You run to the ATM. You're paying the fees. You don't want to deal with that. No. So usually, whenever I win, if I'm not too buzzed up, I run for the door. Yeah. I get the hell out of there.
2: And, you know, it's funny is that Vegas is now, we're talking Las Vegas. Las Vegas is now run, run by the corporate world. And when I was there yes. in the 80s, up until about 1989, it was run by the mob. Okay, about 1987, 1980. Uh, Anthony Spilotro. they called him the Ant. He was, of course, the guy that they based the uh, the uh, Goodfellas movie on. He was the guy that squeezed the guy's head in the vice and all that kind of good stuff. I mean, he was the real yeah. he was the real deal. One time we had a fight going on in Vegas, and Jim Hunter was working for I don't think he was working for Don King Productions yet, but he was a he was a reporter for Flash Magazine. And he we went into the Stardust Hotel, and he sat down at the bar, and the and the bartender told him to move. Said, you know, I don't think you should sit there. What happened was he took Spilatro's seat when Anthony Spilatro had left and went to the bathroom. Yeah, he took Spilatro's seat. <laughs> so anyway, so he comes back and he's a cocky guy. Jim Hunter was doing cocaine back in the days and drinking a lot of oh, booze, man. you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So he sits down and and he sits and he ain't gonna get up. He ain't gonna oh. get it. This is below your seat, and <laughs> I man, folks, you guys know who I'm talking about. The guy that was a good fellows guy, the guy that squeezed a guy's yeah. head into a vice till the eyes popped I'm out. Pop your eye
4: out. You know, yeah, exactly. Out.
2: This, this is this is this is the guy. This is the real life guy. Okay. So oh, Jim Hunter man. sits down in his seat, and 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 the bartender says to him. The bartender gives him the the look. That you know you need to gave him the, like the death look. You just need to right. move, man. And he said, you know, I looked at this guy Spilotro. I had no idea who he was. I looked at the bartender and I said, you know, maybe I can fight this guy. He ain't very big. Maybe I I ain't very big. He was thinking about fighting him. I'm serious. That's how drunk he was. Okay? So Cooler has prevailed. He walked away and he found out five minutes later that was the godfather of Las Vegas. That's why you never mess
4: with anyone you don't know. You know what I'm saying? And you
2: learn that when you're in combative sports. Like,
4: I did Taekwondo, Muay Thai, and boxing my whole life. And that's what they always tell you. Do not judge a book by its cover. Don't just think, you know, because you do something, you know how to fight, that the other person doesn't know how to fight, you know. And I've learned those lessons as a cocky kid, you know. And that's why, especially when you're out there in the real world, not even in the combative sports world, you've got to watch. Someone cuts you off in traffic. You don't know what that guy's capable of. You get out of the car thinking, you know, you're the man, and next thing you know, you're ended up on the ground knocked out. So or, you shot. out there.
2: I'm not listening. or shot. I'm Or shot.
4: Especially Vegas, they got guns everywhere out here. the Wild yeah. West.
2: Wild <laughs> <That's a> West. <wild. laughs> you sound like Bobby Slayton. It's the Wild West. John Cigarone you know is our guest, folks. Noted boxing writer, uh, drummer, music uh, instructor, of course, out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Um were you impressed with Mr. Lomachenko, considering he fought a guy that was so much smaller than him and Mr. Guillermo Rigondeaux? I'm, I'm
4: glad you started here. Yes and no. You know, I mean, Rigondeaux looked awful in that fight. And I went back and watched it. I said to myself, is it because Rigondeaux looked bad or was it Lomachenko, you know, making him look bad? And it's a combination of both. I'm a little bit more sold on Lomachenko. I like his craftiness, his hand speed. There is a big size difference in this fight. But I also think the issue was that Rigon Diao did not know how to fight someone in the likeness stance of himself, meaning a southpaw. He looked very awkward fighting a mirror image of himself. And I found that to be the reason why Rigan Diao looked so bad and because I don't think he had any particular game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bending over and the awkwardness showed me that he really didn't have any stability um, in facing a, a look of Lemacheco. So to answer your question, I think, I think Lomo gets a little bit more street cred um, in, in my boxing
2: world uh, but the, the bottom line was Rigan Dow did try to do those things and what happened was when he traded Jabs with the bigger man, he just realized, Johnny, when you're sitting there and, and you trade blows with a guy that's bigger than you or you, you the size differential and the whole, of course. Night, you know this. I mean you realize this and, and if you're smart, you can adapt and do things okay? But sometimes size prevails. I, I talked about this obviously in porn and in combat sports as well. And, and yeah. last week, size yeah. was the dominating factor there. And the fact that he couldn't get anything done was, I think he tried, but you he, hear he, he this way. It's impossible sometimes to outbox other guys. He, it was impossible for him to outbox because of the size difference and because of the fact right. that Lomachenko can box. And he can't. He's got great skills, no doubt about it. But right. those two things kept him from kept bringing out from doing anything, and of course he went down, uh, or he pulled out, saying his hand was hurt. i got to ask you this. Did you see him land the left-handed in the fight?
4: Not only when they touched gloves in the beginning of the fight. I mean, like I
2: don't
0: know.
4: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's about it, brother. I mean, he I really didn't land the punch, and size definitely matters, and when you see something like that, and, and I revere Rigondeaux as a very good boxer, but it's like I'm like, you know, it can't just simply be size because he's such a great fighter. But at the end of the day, the size definitely had a difference, absolutely. But I think there was a lot of other things involved. But that hand was not hurt. If anything was hurt, you know, it was his ego, it was his pride. And, uh, you know, I could say a lot of other things, but we're on the radio. Not a lot no, of things, but, John, here's you know, what's up. I,
2: I, here's <laughs> where I'm going to side with bringing down okay? Two smartest things he ever did in his life. He wasn't getting any money. He was broke. No, I wasn't going anywhere. Couldn't make any money. So he got himself a fight with Lomanchenko, made like over a million bucks. He knew he was going to do that. That was the first smartest thing he'd done. The second smartest thing he's ever done in his life was bowing out of that fight when he did. Because guess what? It was going to start to get a little nasty. I mean, that guy was going to put some... Oh, it was
4: going to get ugly. It was going to turn into what we saw last night with the Sullivan versus Douglas fight. It was going to turn into that type of thing where... You know, you got to when you realize someone's about to get seriously hurt. It, it didn't go there. He has enough boxing savvy, and you know inside when you're not feeling well. You know, it, it's, it's that feeling almost when you're nauseous and you, you just feel like you're about to throw up. You, your body is telling you, you know, it's time to retreat, It's time to surrender. I got to go to the bathroom. In this case, he had to go home. You know, um, where he goes from here, I'm gonna say, I don't, I can't see him fighting Santa Cruz, Gary Russell, Abner Marez. I mean, there, there's a weight class there, even Carl Frampton, who I think is a little bit. Uh, starting to get flat on me, um, you know. Frampton starting to fizz out a little Whoa, bit. Time you know, out. Frampton
2: came alive, and then what
4: happened?
2: That's what I'm saying, bro. Like I
4: was psyched on this kid, and I don't know if it's a money thing. I don't know if they're treating him like a king in UK. They probably are. They're very, uh, you know, good to their fighters, and they're they're very celebrated over there. The best, you know, place in the world for, for boxing. I call it the boxing universe over there. I mean, it's just, it's a huge sport, and they party and they they treat it like royalty. And who knows, man? Maybe he's getting in with the women and the fun and just the money, and yeah, I think that sometimes people lose that that drive, and that could be the case for uh, for Frampton.
2: We're talking about Frampton and Donaire and sometime in March, I you know April the seventh in Belfast.
4: you think Donaire's got anything left? no me too no.
2: I mean not <laughs> you know I mean, so, I mean but well, yeah. I mean, you know, give, give them their props. He was fighting guys at 112 pounds. When he knocked out Victor Archini, that was at 112 pounds. That was in 2007. That was like almost 11 years ago. Wasn't that beautiful? That was a beautiful night, man. I remember that night like it was
4: yesterday. And, <laughs> and the look and shock on Victor Arcinian, So he looked like he's got his wallet taken. He had no idea how it happened. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, it was, no, it was July 7th, 2007.
4: Yeah, that's a while
2: back, man. Yeah, I'm, no, no, seven, seven, so seven. That was it was a weird night, man. And straight up, of course, uh, you know the Australian. You got to give him some props. So he remember he got up because I wasn't even knocked out. What are you talking about? Remember that one? Look, I had no idea what was going on. You know what <laughs> I'm saying?
4: Like, so that's that's it. That's what I was saying. Like, it's like getting hit behind the head and someone would take your wallet, your chick, everything you got on you. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, well, I didn't do anything. What
2: happened? Nothing happened. And he got knocked out. Okay. Frampton is signed with Al Heyman. Is that what happened to Frampton? Probably. I mean, I like a lot of these guys, man.
4: We have such great talent in boxing. But the Al Heyman fighters, they just get shelved. I mean, they, like, sit on a bench waiting for their number to be called. It's like they fight once a year. The stable is, is deep and vast, and you hear Al Heyman. You think money and money Mayweather or PBC if you're a fighter. But right now, if I'm a fighter, and I sign with Al Heyman. I'm like, damn, man, I need to get to work. i got to make some money. And, you know, it's funny how he throws the bones to like, random people. Don't get me wrong. Robert Guerrero is a, is a great guy. I've met him numerous occasions. He's, he's an awesome guy. He's coming into his own as a commentator. Love him. You know, and there's a lot of other cats like John Molina. He, he just keeps throwing bones to these, these, at the best right now, B-minus fighters. Thankfully, Guerrero, you know, retired or even C-plus type fighters. Good point. They, Johnny they, 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 Sig,
2: yeah. put you on hold there. you two tuned to... Ring Talk live worldwide on the Sports Byline iHeart Radio Series XM Satellite Radio, of course, SB Nation Sports. I can go on and on, but the bottom line is 1 800 878 Play is our toll free phone line. Of course, me and Johnny Sig talking boxing after the break, right here on Sports Byline and SB Nation
5: Radio.
1: I wanted to do the right thing. It's like I've
0: told you before.
5: Yeah, before. You know good looking. on the streets again. Hey, travelers.
2: Or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. Anything that help me with the pain. Hey, makes it more manageable. Gets my attention, folks. I love the free delivery, and they take care of the paperwork for you. So, if you have Medicare and need help for your back, ankle, knee, or shoulder, guess what? Give the Health Alert Hotline a call. Toll-free, one eight hundred one 428 1570 1800 428 1570 You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge 1-800-428-1570 The Health Alert Hotline 1-800-428-1570
3: I thought, I thought I will knock him out in the early rounds, but like I said, he brings excellent condition and he's determined. Why didn't you go after him to try to knock him out when you knocked him down early in the third round? I said, why get Khaled if I've been training for two months? Here's the, here's the knockdown, describe it to us as you see it. Well, like I told Jimmy, the one-two is going to get him all the time, but uh, I wasn't going to get all excited and play myself cheap. I said, I'll knock him out early if it happens, if not... If it's necessary, I go 12 rounds and I did. Did you go to school, so to speak, on what happened to Rosario I'm when he knocked him, play him play down play. and then he got knocked out himself? No, because I knocked out I knocked down a lot of fighters that still took my time. I'm just getting seasoned through every fight. And I'm pound for pound. Best of the, I'm the best fighter, pound for pound, in the world. Bring him on. Uh-huh. Bring him on. Man, see me. I don't respect your opinion. Come on, baby. I'm going to knock you out. Well, who are some of hey, you? Are are not here? You could get some, baby. You could get some, too. Brian Booth. Stop me, Paul. Stop All your come on with it, baby. Yeah, buddy. Let's what hear from, heart? Heart? from you, Larry. What, what about Aaron Fryer? Aaron Fryer, come on with it, baby. I got bigger than you. You bounce back. I know you. Come on, baby. Not come not on with time. it. It's my joke
2: time. <laughs> Peace, Peace up. A town day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now more Ring talk with Pedro Fernandez.
2: Thank you, Pedro. You wanna run tomorrow? Are we right you gonna run tomorrow morning? <laughs> Five thirty. Sunday. I'm leaving tomorrow at ten. I'll run with you tomorrow morning. Okay, babe. Right.
5: Okay.
2: Ray Leonard ran me into the ground We jog folks. Hector Camacho, the Harlem Heckler before the uh before <laughs> Are you still laughing there, Johnny or what? Yeah, man, you know, I was thinking
4: to myself, you know, the post Ali era this man was one of the, the most vocal and it uh, probably inspiring to guys like uh, Mayweather when he was Pretty Boy, and like Deontay Wilder this day. He said some funny stuff there. I Man, I actually remember watching that, and uh, you know, obviously on, on tape because uh, I was uh, very young uh, around that time. August tenth,
2: uh, nineteen August tenth, nineteen eighty five. Hector Martinez and myself were exactly. sitting in like the second row at the Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas. I think it was a Riv. And uh, I won't yeah. mention the women we were with that night because one of them was married to some really powerful dude right now, and he told me, if you ever mention the fact that you bang my wife on the air, I'm going to kill you. So I guess I can't oh, mention is, the fact that he's in the tech world <laughs> and I banged his wife. Oh, man. We're having a great show today, dude. Yeah, what can I say? You know? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, Billy Joe Sanders, they call him the gypsy. Of course, the WBO middleweight title holder undefeated now, beat David Lemieux last yeah. night in Canada. Um, does, he, does he belong in the same stratosphere as Canelo and Golovkin? I
4: think after last night, you know, I, I have to consider him there because of the boxing ability. And, again, it's similar to like that Lomo Al thing we talked about. Like, you know, it, it, was, it one, was it Lemieux not looking that great? Or was it, you know, what Saunders did? And I think it's a, a combination of both. But Saunders has some really nice boxing ability. and I like, he's got some dog in him. I really wish he closed out Lemieux, even though I'm a Lemieux fan. When, when he started seeing blood, he started pumping that jab a little harder. He started getting more aggressive with his combinations. And I think that's a difference maker when someone, you know, as they were saying on last night's broadcast, a boxer. You know, but boxing also has a lot to do with fighting. And I like the fact that sometimes he was fighting in spots where Lemieux was trying to do certain things and Saunders wouldn't allow him to do it because he sensed that. Um, so I think he could give, you know, maybe, I'm going to say, i like to see him in, like, uh, a Danny Jacobs, you know, type of opponent, and, and HBO could easily set that up, uh, you know, and we'll see about the G-Canelo rematch, who, who gets it there. Uh, Jamal Charlo might be a good look for him, too. I, I think that those are the safe bet opponents for Saunders right now before jumping in the deep waters of the uh, Canelo and Triple Gs of the world.
2: You know, <clears throat> I was running with a guy the other day, and he's got a hell of a boxing background. I don't want to mention his name per se, but he's got a hell of a boxing okay. background. And we were talking about the, you know, the fact that Duran and Leonard and and Hearns and and Benitez, to a lesser extent, of course, and and Hagler and these <laughs> people—they come along, came along after Ali, and they fought fifteen rounds. And the fact that they yeah. were able to fight late into their career, especially Duran and, and, and Leonard. Was 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 because of the fact that they cut the championship fights from fifteen rounds to twelve rounds. Duran told me that that saved them. So did Leonard. What do you think? Well, I mean, I've always been a fan of odd
4: number rounds, to be honest with you. But I think that shaving off thirteen rounds, yeah, thirteen exactly. You know, because it, it negates that draw situation. But I mean, you got to be careful because I mean, you saw like what was that? Um, way back in the day, the the Boo Boo Mancini fight that went too long, and that's when they started considering. Yeah. around that time, and ultimately, you know, against the uh, Korean fighter, I believe. Dooku and, Kim. You know, that's it. I couldn't think 19, of his name. But...
2: Ni- 1982. Uh, yep. Hey, John, here's what I remember. Some reporter throwing that in my face after a fight. I put some guy named Herbert Myers, he, he they, they, they carted him out in an ambulance unconscious. He had a glass jaw, though. It wasn't that I punched that hard. He had a glass jaw. That's what I found out. Anyway, so they carted him out unconscious. So I'm, I'm after the fight. It's after the fight. We're in the dress room, the whole nine yards, and the media is, giving, the media is there. And the, and, the, and the man says to me, um, what do you think about the fact that this guy left here unconscious and that Dooku Kim just died a couple weeks ago? Man, my mother got right in his face, man. Whoa. Woo! Mom did no, no, no. He oh, she, He came up with a performance tonight. So you got to come up with crap like that. Blah blah blah. Oh man, nothing like a mom. Well, it's, you know what I'm saying, and that, that's a, that's a good look right there. I
4: mean, people got to understand that boxing. There's a lot of hazards in this thing, and I think it's more so when it's sustained punishment. Again, like we saw with uh, you know, O'Sullivan last night in Douglas, like sustained punishment. That's where you really see people have you know, diminished quality of life later on, post-mortem boxing, even sometimes during their careers. Look what we saw with Juanma lately. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I mean, geez, what happened to that guy? He's like a vegetable. I hate to say that. I, and I respect didn't. the hell out of him, but, my God, what happened to him, you know? And it, it's people, like, not around people that, that care enough. And I think a corner should have been more competent last night to see that in Douglas. He's a young kid. I like his story. Felt a lot of compassion towards him. I don't want to see him get beat up like that. Yeah, it's boxing. But I think it's, it's a matter of knowing when to pull the plug, to pull the trigger, you know. And if you have a guy that's got a chin and he's a warrior, it's kind of hard to do. But at the end of the day, you've got to save someone from themselves sometimes. So sometimes the matter around just is irrelevant. I mean, you see guys get knocked down with a flash knockdown or a one-punch KO. Sometimes you'll see them recover a lot quicker than a guy that gets beat down, you know. And last night, luckily, you know, as far as I know, Douglas is okay from uh, Spike Sullivan and his magic mustache over there. You saw
2: that thing? Yeah. What was, uh, I, I want to ask you something else a little bit crazy because you're, you're my guy on this. Um, yeah. Luis Ortiz. You know, I'm really big on Luis Ortiz until he got popped with the Flintstone Vitamins the second time. Once he got popped the second time, you know, I sort of got issues with that. Well, of course. I mean,
4: there is a story there, something about, like, some kind of heart medication I don't know if you saw on the PBC about a week ago him and Deontay Wilder
5: yeah.
4: uh, post fight uh, going at it because uh, Ortiz was uh, able to fight within the past month. I you know I've been watching so many cards lately. I'm going to say two weeks ago off the top of my head, and they had a, they had a, a, you know, a nice little encounter afterwards, exchange of words, which I can't say any of them on the air right now. But it was it was very entertaining. But I saw Deontay say to him, "I understand the story. Okay, let's just get this fight done." Which I give Deontay a lot of credit for. You know. Um, the more I get to know Deontay Wilder's personality, the the more I give him a lot more respect. Even though I think he's got technical flaws, so my point is is that I'm I'm willing to give this guy a second chance. You know, you strike one. You know, it seemed a little suspect, but then I also heard there was some kind of weird thing with the testing. Um, where in other words, in out. other
2: words, give him another second pass. Johnny Sig says, give, give, give him a, him a second, second pass. pass. All right. Anyway, you know what? I was just talking about we were talking about guys taking whippings and this and that. And Bruce the Mouse Strauss. Was a guy that fought just about everybody back in the uh, in the 80s, and I'm I'm serious, the 70s and 80s. I'll just give you his record in just a second, but he was like okay. 77 and 53 with six draws and 28. He was stopped 28 times, and he had 55 KOs and 77 wins. Anyway. He was a guy before 9-11, before, be, on Southwest Airlines, he would buy a ticket to, to Salt Lake City, but he knew the plane was going on to New York, okay? So he would just take, he would buy the ticket to Salt Lake City from Vegas and then continue on to New York. This guy had those, he had the whole system down, conned, okay? And here's what's Man. up. He told me that when he getting when he got in fights with guys like, you know, Charlie Powell and, and Mike McCallum, and, and uh, Pete, he even fought Pete Susans, who was a, uh, one of uh, Sean O'Grady's trainers back in the day. Anyway, he followed Grady under a bunch of different names and this and that. What I'm trying to say is he told me that once the fight became uncompetitive, he got out of there. He just realized he got out of there. And that's why still to this day, he can still carry on a conversation.
4: 100%. And that's the goal. I mean, that's why I got to respect people like Andre Ward, you know, when they know when to get out. And especially if the love isn't there, this isn't, This isn't, you know, I I love baseball and I I love a lot of sports, but this is this is boxing, dude. This is the most brutal sport, in my opinion, on the planet. Even more so than MMA because you're you're constantly hitting vital organs, brains, going for people's lungs and livers and ribs, like, and it's it's to a selected target area. And you know, punishment over the years will definitely break down someone. And if you don't have the passion to protect that or get into the ring, if you even doubt it slightly that you still even want to do this, you cannot box because it's not going to work out, because you will get hurt. This, is, this isn't a game. You know what I'm saying? This is a fight at the end of the day.
2: At the end of the day, it is a fight. No doubt about that. We're talking boxing with Johnny Sieg, folks. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, coming to you from the city by the bay. San Francisco, California, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Saturdays and Sundays, a so Saturday for an hour, Sunday for two hours. Johnny, i got to ask you this pound for pound of boxing right now. Is there a pound for pound king in late 2017?
4: Terrence Crawford, baby. Love him. Loved him for the past couple years. The more I see him, the more you know. I think that Terrence Crawford is definitely uh, boxing's future. I'm not going to say he's a superstar um, to the likes of Mayweather, but I think he's got the talent like that. Maybe even better because he's got a killer instinct in him, and I, I like that per- that personality in a fighter. Like I was mentioning before about Saunders, but this is a different level. You know what, though,
2: Crawford. I-, I-, I tried to get him. To, I-, I tried to entice him a couple weeks. Ago. We were together on a cruise in Cuba. I tried to entice him to go to the Philippines to fight Manny Pacquiao, and he doesn't want to do it. He says he's only fought, he goes I only fight in the United States. I mean, that's not a world champion's attitude. He can go over to the Philippines and slaughter Manny Pacquiao in front of five hundred fifty thousand people, ass,
4: man. Like, that's not even, to me. That's not even competitive, you know. I think Terence Crawford at the stage of his career. I mean, it would have been a great fight back in the day. But whenever I think about Pacquiao in, like you know. Kind of like uh, matches, like, you know, when you hypothetical matches that you put together, fantasy matchups, I say to myself, well, he was probably on steroids, so I can't really equate, you know, who was, uh, how he would do against this guy or that guy, you know. But I think Crawford's up there. I like Earl Spence Jr. a lot. Um, I'm glad that they're sharing the same weight class now. Um, I'd like to see Terrence, you know, fill into the weight a little bit better, maybe get um, a couple looks at him against a guy like, you know, uh, Danny Garcia or even like Jeff Horn. Um, you know, for, for, uh, for Crawford, but I, I like Earl Spence a lot, you know, Anthony Joshua off his performance against Klitschko. Uh, you you got to put him up there. I mean, that was, I think the fight of the year, the knockout of the year and then the round of the year, um, you know, when, uh, when they went at it, I believe they went hard um, in about uh, round five or so the Klitschko fight with uh, Joshua was just amazing.
2: Is Joshua the real I'm I i i have been so impressed with him two thousand twelve Olympic gold medals. People say that um you know last Brit I got involved with uh, was a bit of a flop. But um <laughs> the bottom line is I think Joshua's a real deal. I mean and he and he's you know what? Ninety thousand seats, he can sell ninety thousand seats in an hour and well, a half. Well, again, that's the event. I said the fight, the round,
4: the knockout, and the event of the year. I mean, who's doing that? And you could say, like, yeah, it's UK, but it happened and it, it could happen with the Wilder fight, which uh, you know I think would be a tremendous event and huge spectacle. You, you told me about Wilder. I'm going to give you some credit here, bro. You know, that about, I'm sorry. You told me about Joshua years ago. I'm going to say as far back as four years before I even heard of the guy. And he really shaped up to be something, didn't he? I mean, gentlemen, really a physical specimen. You look at this guy, you just see something special. You see a champion. And this is what boxing needs. And when the heavyweight division is good in boxing, boxing is good, especially when we got a guy as charismatic then we've got this other guy, Wilder, who is an amazing talker, absolutely hysterical. He could be a stand-up comedian, as far as I'm concerned, you know, and, and, and if boxing doesn't work out for him. And, uh, you know, we see where that goes, and I think that's the biggest fight for 2018
2: moving ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, we are impressed each and every time he makes an appearance here. I'm talking about the great John Signorella. John, what can I say other than, man, thank you so much for your time. Please come back soon. All right, next week, man, I'm around. Thank you so much, brother. All the best, John Signorella, Las Vegas, Nevada folks. Google the guy. The guy's got it going on. Boxing teaching, of course, drummer as well, an outstanding musician, and he's a good instructor. How do I know that? He has the patience and the time and the will, and he puts it in there. He is dedicated to his craft, baby. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live worldwide.
0: It's
4: I think that the Affordable Care Act, you know,
5: as long as it wasn't named name of the Obamacare, it would pass. they made the test already. But the fact of the matter is, at the essence of it all, is people
1: need health care.
3: Let's spin it up. Go out and smash it. Like oh my
1: god,
3: jump out that sofa. Let's kick it
6: 5-1.
2: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800 957 6063. 800 957
1: 6063. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
2: That is the theme for the TV show Mannix. It ran from like 67 to 74. The late Mike Touch Connors, of course, was the lead guy. Anyway, Larry Merchant's wife, <clears throat> Patricia Stitch, played in that episode in 1970s called The Mouse That Dies, season four, episode five. She played the role of Hallie, and the reason why I'm bringing her up is that she wasn't feeling that well, and she's feeling better, so we're so happy that the god mama, the godfather's you know, wife, Mrs. Larry Merchant... Is doing better. Anyway, straight up, you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking the world of boxing this hour. Of course, we're talking MMA in hour number two. MMA. Misha Tate will be here. Of course, Misha Tate, the former world bantamweight champion, of course, she beat Ronda Rousey. No, she didn't beat Ronda Rousey. She beat the girl that she beat. You know, she flaked out. She beat Holly Holm, and then she lost. So, like that Women's Bantamweight Championship, of course, that's held now by Amanda Nunes, was passed around like a cheap date at the prom, okay? Now we've got Amanda not looking so good in her last fight, talking about maybe wanting to fight who at 135. We'll talk about the women's division in depth. Of course, this 145-pound title fight going down July the third. take it back, December the 30th, live from Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena, straight up on pay-per-view, 10 p.m. in the east, 7 o'clock in the west. You know I don't push the UFC that hard as far as trying to watch you guys do Watch this on pay per view, but Cyborg Santos, Holly Holm, female violence. What more can I say? You are tuned to Ring Talk all around the world. And inside, look at the world of boxing and MMA, of course, for 33, make that almost 34 plus years now. Hour number two, still to come here on many of these. Sports Byline and SB Nation affiliate sports around the world live on sportsbyline.com, iHeartRadio Sirius XM, Satellite Radio, the American Forces Network, Cable Radio Network Channel 2, iTunes, Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com. I keep going, but I'm running up on the clock. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Stay tuned for hour number two on the other side of the break.